Your financial choices may discuss various financial-related topics and thus would like to offer the following disclosures. Lori Siebert is employed by Valley National Group, the Valley National Financial Advisors Group of Companies. Investments are offered through Valley National Investments Incorporated, member FINRA. We inform you that any federal tax, state tax, financial advice, or information contained in this communication is not intended to be personalized or specific in nature or to be relied upon for your personal situation in any circumstance. The advice and information are not intended and cannot be used as a tax opinion letter nor used for the purpose of avoiding tax-related penalties. For personalized advice specific to your own situation, we recommend that you consult your CPA, CFP, or attorney. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. I am a CPA, CFP professional, and AEP on the web at yourfinancialchoices.com. You can listen online each and every week at wdiy.org. And podcasts of prior programs are available on many streaming services. Today is January 24th, 2024. The Markets were down today with the Dow closing at 38,150, the NASDAQ at 15,164, and the S&P at 4,845. Tonight, we were planning on talking about cybersecurity. I apologize. My guest had a conflict, so we've had to pivot. We will certainly try to get him back on um, in the near future, so uh watch out for announcements about that. But instead tonight, we will talk about tax return first aid. It kind of um, piggybacks on last week's topic as well about filing a complete and accurate return. And then tonight, we're going to talk about some first aid ideas for tax return, you know, mistakes or avoiding mistakes or how to fix them. We are live tonight. We'll take your questions. Cindy is in the studio with us this evening. We'll answer your calls, take your information, and we ask you to mute your radio so you can hear me without the delay and I can talk with and we could talk without confusion. We discuss general financial planning topics and not specific investments. While I typically have a topic each week, you can still ask questions off topic and I will do my best to answer them. The number is 610 and you can talk live on air with us or if you're not comfortable talking live just give your question to Cindy and she'll write it down and bring it into the studio to me or as Peter mentioned you can send questions through email at yourfinancialchoices.com so again tonight we're talking about tax return first aid and what do I mean by this little tidbits to help you fix things on your tax return I'll, I'll cover what I can. Um, and a reminder, I love questions. I love questions. So if you have them, you're certainly welcome to uh, don't feel bad about interrupting me or anything. And then the number again, 610-758-8810. So um, in last week, talking about filing a complete and accurate return, the gist of that, of course, is you want to make sure that you avoid mistakes, avoid needing first aid. You want to file a complete and accurate return to help avoid penalties and interest, of course. So what else might happen or, or what can we do to avoid this uh, pertaining to filing tax returns? Uh, one of the things I had mentioned last week, which still pertains, is filing early. That helps avoid scammers from trying to fraudulently file a return in your name to get a refund. That certainly will help avoid injury. Uh, we can't always file early, though, because we're waiting patiently for all those tax documents, which in the past, all of them were required to be uh, basic. Well, I'll just say most of them were required to be issued by January 31st. But in recent years, we find ourselves waiting for our brokerage 
1099s. Those are called the consolidated 1099s. Typically, those are a little held up if you have uh, mutual funds because quite often the mutual fund companies have to kind of like, um, you know, reconcile their books at the end of the year and they may have to rejigger, you know, capital gains or short term capital gains or dividends to uh, properly reflect the activity in the mutual fund during the year. So sometimes instead of filing those ta tax documents early, uh, the IRS approved them filing them a little bit later so that you're not then stuck with a corrected 1099. So remember, we talk about the first aid for tax preparation. That was one of the first aids to probably help people from having to file amended returns or getting notices is because in the past, you'd file your tax return. A month later, you'd get a corrected 1099. And this will help avoid that. The issue is you just have to wait a little bit longer for that um, tax document, but usually it's a it's more accurate. Um, occasionally, we still will see corrected 1099s, but nothing like we did in the past. For a while there, it was just constantly getting corrected, and, and so that's been mitigated a little bit. Um, what if you make a mistake on your return and you realize it after you've filed? Um, well, first of all, you have to understand the materiality of it. So let's go back to my little story about the corrected 1099s. If you filed a tax return and you reported all of the income accurately and file your return, and a month later you get one of those corrected 1099s uh, and it's changed your dividends and your capital gains, you know, $25. That's not going to move the needle on your tax consequence for the most part. Uh, so it you want to look at the materiality of any kind of a change. Now, in, in my story, I said it was a mistake. It might not have been a mistake. It might have just been that you didn't have the correct information. If it's not material, then it, the IRS may not even bother you about it and you would have nothing to correct because typically I think the IRS is looking for more material changes. Well, I shouldn't say material because most of us wouldn't think this was material. Like a $25 difference in your tax return, they're probably not going to care about. Okay. It would cost more for them to try to chase down $25 uh, change. So you look for materiality. Um, if, uh, if there is a bigger error, or the IRS may discover it. So let's pretend that that corrected 1099 came through. You didn't think it was material or you didn't realize it or it would cost you more to have your tax preparer amend the return. You can always wait and see if the IRS sends you a notice. So the IRS may discover the error and send you a letter and tell you what the differences are. And typically they'll send a letter and they say, these are what our numbers are. These are what your numbers are. Here's the difference and here's the bottom line consequence. Maybe you owe a little bit, or maybe you may have like a refund. Typically you're getting the letter saying, you know, <laughs> it's not often you get a letter saying you have a refund unless you've overpaid your taxes. So it, it might resolve itself that way. And that wouldn't have required you to amend a return. It wouldn't have required you to, you know, write a letter to the IRS. Some people just don't know what to do. The IRS will contact you if they think it's material. So if you think it might not be material, maybe you just want to wait and see if they send you a, a letter. Um, or they may correct the, the 
error themselves. So for example, maybe you owed an extra $100 and you had a refund coming. So if you filed a tax return and you showed that you had a refund of $1,000 and the IRS has found this um, discrepancy, they could send you a letter saying, here is the discrepancy you owe us an additional hundred. You were supposed to get a thousand dollar refund. Now we're only going to give you a $900 refund. So they could correct it themselves. It may not be a big deal. What I have found is that if the IRS catches the mistake before you catch the mistake, and it is more material, they're going to charge uh, interest and penalties for underpayment. My experience has been if we find it first, and if it's material and we file an amended return, I've, I've only seen the, the IRS charge interest. Typically, I'm not seeing penalties, and, and I'm not talking about material differences, you know, because there are penalties for uh, material understatements. Uh, but if I file amended return and just say, whoops, IRS, this was just a mistake, or we just got this corrected 1099 later, and here's the correction, then... Um, if it's a underpayment that's a little bit more material than like the 25 bucks I mentioned, then we're going to typically include the interest on the payment if the client owes more money for that. All right, tonight, folks, we are talking about uh, tax return first aid. I'm going to go through just some different little scenarios as we go through the hour. If you have questions, they're totally welcome and you can talk live on air with me or if you're not comfortable talking live, just give your question to Cindy and she'll write it down and bring it in to me. The phone number is 610-758-8810. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including fee-based asset management. It all starts with personal goals and an understanding of risk tolerance, investment objectives, and the markets. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Thank you to the members of WDIY for making all the programming you hear possible. Becoming a WDIY member is the best way to support your listening and to ensure WDIY will be here for the next person in our community to discover. Make your membership gift today at 610-694-8100 extension 4 or WDIY.org. We couldn't be here without you. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1. You if you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. You can also send questions through yourfinancialchoices.com. We are talking about tax return first aid this evening. And uh, from the IRS's website, they do suggest, in lieu of waiting for them to correct something, particularly if it's something that has nothing to do with tax reporting documents, you have to remember people that... The IRS only knows what tax information payors have uh, sent to them. So your employer sends the W-2 information, your investment companies, banks, firms send 1099, you know, interest, dividend, 1099Bs, that information to the IRS. So the IRS is matching the information that's reported on your tax return with the information that's been provided to them. There might be certain information they would not have available, such as, you know, business expenses or charitable deductions, um, self-employment income, you know, may or may not be reported to them. It depends on how much it is, rental income, 
uh, rental expenses, that type of thing. So not everything is reported to the IRS. So just know that if you have some other type of change after you filed your original return and you realize, oh, shoot, I forgot I had a kid. <laughs> Sorry. I forgot I had a child. It happens. You get, you know, pregnancy brain. Um, so you, you forget to put something on the tax return. Uh, forget a deduction or whatever, you can file a, an amended return. The IRS says file an amended return if there's a change in your filing status, income, deductions, credits, or tax liability, and you use Form 1040X, X is in X-ray. Um, it's called the Amended U.S. Individual Income Tax Return to correct a previously filed 1040 and um, to change amounts previously adjusted by the IRS as well. So remember I said, the IRS may send you a correction notice. Just be careful. You do want to make sure that you review it. Don't assume it's correct. I mentioned this last week. If you get a correction notice, you want to make sure that you agree with the information on the correction. If you do, you know, just respond accordingly. If they, if you owe a little bit more, pay the little bit more and you can send it in with the notice. But if you don't agree uh, and the differences are material, and you need to reflect the proper reporting, then you can file that amended return. And you do have to do it within a certain period of time, within three years from the original filing deadline or two years of paying the tax, whichever is later. So you'll probably also have to mail a state return as well. So just be cognizant of that. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But I have a caller. I have Mary from Allentown. Mary, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. How are you doing? Oh, good. How can I help you? I have a question about a letter we got, and I know you can't talk about specifics. I just want to ask about process. Okay. got a letter from PA mm -hmm. about state taxes from, gosh, it was, like, say, 2016. We got it last summer. Mm -hmm. So we called, you know, talked to somebody. They said, oh, you know, let us look into it a little bit more, because the letter did not give you enough information. You know, there's a problem, you owe $2,000, you're accruing interest, but not enough information to actually understand what the problem is. Mm -hmm. So like every couple of months, we call back and say, because they said, oh, there'll be a letter, you know. Mm -hmm. Every couple of months, we call back and they just say, oh, well, you know, we're too busy handling current taxes. You know, we can't deal with that right now. And I'm like, well, you sent me a letter. <laughs> yeah, you said it's accruing interest, but you said there'd be some sort of follow up. I don't know what to do. Do we just yeah. check in? And and when did they send you the letter? Because typically they the tax years close like after three years. So this was a twenty sixteen. No, this was like it was like two thousand six. It was. I assume maybe they go back seven years. Yeah. I don't know. It was like six to seven years. So it was either 2016 or 2017 was the problem year. Okay. Um, it's funny. Someone else had mentioned a similar situation to me. And I had also had a client that had something similar happen and kept getting letters, kept getting letters. I kept responding saying, you tell me what's wrong. You tell me what's wrong, PA. You're the one who's telling me there's something wrong. You tell me what's wrong. And eventually just went away. They, they didn't even you know, they were asking for money. Now, in this situation, is it is the notice or the letter saying that they're a, that that you owe more money in on that twenty sixteen return, or they yes. just want more information? No, they were saying it. I can't tell the exact number, like two thousand dollars, and you're yeah. accruing you know hundreds of dollars in interest or yeah. whatever. And I did go on to the state system, you know, uh -huh. register in. 
it's do whatever, you know, within 30 days, receive the letter, sort of acknowledge it, and kind of yeah. like you, ask, yeah. you know, something. So, yeah. like, We'll call every two or three months. I just thought if you had any better idea. Well, one thing that I would do is what, what I, my perspective always is, first of all, what is the government entity telling me is wrong? So I will say, okay, this is what you're saying is wrong. Here is the situation. And here, um, IRS or Pennsylvania or whatever state authority it is, here's how we're going to resolve it <laughs> and, you know, change it. So I would probably first start with trying to understand if they're saying $2,000, you know, I would understand what the dollar amount then is related to that tax. So the $2,000 divided by 3.07% will tell you what are the gross dollars that they're saying was not reported on your PA tax return. And then typically, then I would say to myself, what does Pennsylvania sometimes think it is? It could be that there was a 1099-R, like for a distribution from a retirement account or a pension that wasn't coded properly in the software or wasn't recorded properly if you hand wrote your tax return. And typically pensions and IRAs are not income taxable, but if it's not coded right, it could have come across that way. So that's that's sometimes a big flag for that. Occasionally, someone will have deferred compensation, like if they're working and they elect to do a tax deferral uh, through work uh, to defer compensation. It's a special plan. Um, that is no, in the old days, it used to be taxable to Pennsylvania up front. Now it's deferred just like federal, but that might not have come across properly in the tax reporting. If you or your spouse, if you have a spouse, had um, state wages from another state that could have thrown this reporting off. You could have had an annuity that could have been reported improperly. Annuity, non-qualified annuities um, get reported as interest income. If there was a 1099-R for that on federal and you didn't properly have it go over to the interest line on PA, then you might owe that tax. And usually we're looking for a code 7D in the 1099-R box. So Mary, what I would do is I would pull out your 2016 records if you still have them. Mm -hmm, I would I have them. Yep. I would figure out what the gross amount is that they're looking for. Compare it to your federal return because typically the state and the Fed share information. So Pennsylvania is seeing something probably reported from your federal return that is not on your state return or it wasn't reflected on your state return appropriately. And I think if you get to the bottom of that, you're doing the legwork for Pennsylvania. And then you can say, hey, PA, you can write them a letter. Say, hey, PA, I got this letter. It still hasn't been resolved. This is what you said was wrong. Here's what I'm seeing and correct it. Um, and, and there's some other coding, some W-2 reconciliation that could be wrong. You know, your Pennsylvania wages typically match your Medicare wages if you had wages in 2016. You want to make sure that looks right. And if that doesn't look right, then you need to kind of like dig into that and see why it's different. Um, because Pennsylvania doesn't give us a deduction for 401k contributions, that kind of thing. Your employer might not have reported it right. So you, you want to kind of tie into the numbers. But to me, that's fun. You know, so have fun, Mary, <laughs> trying to figure it out. But I think that's a good way to start. You take take the ball into your hands and and see if you could resolve it and then tell them how you need it resolved. And if you owe, then you owe. You know, yeah, if you and find... you said a couple of times 
Mm-hmm. It just has gone away, you know. Well, I had one case in particular where they kept telling me this client owed money and I couldn't figure it out for the life of me and I'm pretty good at figuring things out. And uh, I kept saying, you tell me, you tell me, because they weren't giving me any details. It mm-hmm. just went, they, they stopped writing letters. So, I, yeah. yeah, but but I, I would go back and compare your federal numbers to your state numbers and and see if you can tie into it that way and take the amount that they said you owed of just tax, take away penalties and interest, take the tax, divide it by 3.07%. You'll come up with the dollar amount that they're saying wasn't reflected on your return and then back into your federal return. I think you'll find it personally. Okay. 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 I'll give it a try. All righty. Good luck. Take care. Bye. Um, Great question. I love that. And I think that that's like a puzzle I would love to solve. Um, If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including income tax preparation for individuals, businesses, estates, and trusts. Tax preparation involves more than putting numbers on a return. It requires planning. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Did you know your phone is a radio? You can tune in to WDIY anywhere on the go with WDIY's phone app. Download for free from the Apple or Google store and your phone will become your trusted radio. The easy-to-use app lets you listen to WDIY on your phone live and access your favorite music shows on demand. Download and share the WDIY app with your friends and family and introduce them to many choices, real voices. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1, also available on the WDIY app. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. You can talk live on air with me, or if you're not comfortable talking live, just give your question to Cindy and she'll write it down and bring it in to me. We're talking about tax return first aid tonight. Uh, I had talked about if there was like a a correction on your tax return, the IRS may send you a letter. Just as Mary was saying, Pennsylvania sends a letter. I'm really surprised it would take so long for them to do that. And I don't recall like what the statute is, but it sounds if when I divided $2,000 by 0.037, it it was kind of a large dollar amount. So there could be some materiality there, which opens the window typically for um, the statute. But I, I think she will be able to get to the bottom of it. I have confidence in that. Um, so the um, the other time you may want to file an amended return, as I said, is if the IRS sends you a notice and you don't agree with it, and maybe they're not aware of something and you need to kind of like update the information. Another reason to amend is if you missed an income tax document, it's like you filed your tax return and oh shoot, I completely forgot I cashed those savings bonds and I forgot the uh, interest income from the treasury, US treasury, and I need to amend my tax return. So if you've missed an income tax document, that would be a reason to amend if you miss deductions, you you might have gotten into such a habit of not itemizing anymore because the standard deduction is so high. And then you realized, oh, I have all these charitable deductions or I, you know, bought a second house and I have a mortgage interest again. So you may need to amend to uh, itemize deductions, perhaps, or you find out that 
there was an education credit that you didn't realize you were eligible for because your kid went to college for the very first time. You cried, you were upset, you wrote big checks, you sent them off in the fall and you file your tax returns and you did not know that there was some education credit. And then you listen to your financial choice to find out there's something called the American Opportunity Tax Credit. It's like, wait, am I eligible for that? And you find out you might be, well, then you might want to file a tax return to claim the American Opportunity Tax Credit, which can be up to $2,500, depending on uh, how much you know tuition was and how much money you make on your tax return. There are limits and things like that. So certain rules, but lots of education benefits that might be available to people. There's something called a lifetime learning credit that some people might not realize if they're getting a master's degree. You can qualify for a lifetime learning credit if your income was within the the uh, income limitation. So you, you find out about it, you see if it applies. And if you do your tax return yourself, typically you'll have software that usually will, um, uh, what do I want to say, a, a, p apply for a refund. So I mean, not a refund, an amended return. So if you have bought software to do this on your own, typically there's also a feature that you can click for an amended return and it'll carry over the original information. And then you enter the changes and it'll prepare the amended return. And typically an amended return will say to the IRS, here's how I filed, here's the changes, here's the new numbers. And then you give an explanation for why you had to amend the return. You know, I inadvertently missed this 1099. I inadvertently missed filing for the American Opportunity Credit. And then you file whatever appropriate schedules go with that and you send in the amended return. As I mentioned, you have three years from the due date of the return to do that. So for 2023 tax returns, that's due April 15th of 2024. If you find that you make a mistake on your 2023 return, you're going to have till 2027 to amend it. All right. So three years or this other little um, gate is two years from paying the tax. So let's say you don't pay your tax for 2023 until 2025, then I guess you would have two years from then. Uh, all right, so amended returns, there's reasons to find amended returns, but that's certainly some first aid in, in tax preparation is to fix things, uh, heal things, make them right um, by filing an amended return for either missed income, missed deductions, tax credits, pay attention to materiality. I have clients who will call me and say, Lori, the dividends, you know, I got a corrected 1099. I don't know. We already filed our tax return. What are we going to do? Well, if the dividends only change 25 bucks, I'm not changing the tax return. It's too immaterial. So, uh, watch for that. Another big one that, that I mentioned dependence, you forget you had a child. You could have a change in filing status as well. Um, someone I know was filing single, her, her partner was single, then they got married and they kept filing separate and they were filing married, filing separate because they thought that's what you did and wanted to keep everything separate. But what they didn't realize is, you know, married filing joint had some tax advantages in their circumstances, typically with, um, you know, uneven income. So there were some advantages for them to file married filing joint and you can um, go from married filing separate to married filing joint. However, you cannot go from married filing joint to married filing separate. So make sure that when you're married, you know how you're going to file. Um, tax preparation. 
first aid for tax preparation. You think you might be able to do it yourself. What I have seen is some people still like to pencil in their tax return or handwrite their tax return. Fewer and fewer people, by the way, but there are still some people out there who like to, you know, hand prepare their tax return. That kind of opens you up for some, you know, math errors. Uh, typically, what I see is someone might not calculate their taxable social security properly. They might not calculate their standard deduction properly. They might not calculate the capital gains tax rates um, on dividend income or capital gains income properly. So they could end up paying more taxes simply because they're not calculating those appropriately. Or if they didn't include the social security, um, you know, to the extent they should have, then they, they might be under reporting income. But typically I'm seeing people not taking the proper standard deduction or the proper tax rates on some tax favored income like qualified dividends and uh, capital gains, which I'm going to talk about next week, actually. So you could do it yourself. There, um, I mentioned last week, there are some, uh, you know, services out there that do provide free tax preparation. So for example, AARP, uh, does provide some free tax services and they do have a tax aid locator on their website and it's aarp.org forward slash money forward slash taxes forward slash aarp underscore tax aid with an e forward slash locations forward slash location you know forward slash so basically just google aarp free tax help and you're going to get to the AARP Foundation's website where you can enter your zip code and find locations that will help with uh, free tax preparation. And they may have, you know, certain requirements. There's, I think, some locations you can go in person, but some you just drop off the information and they prepare it separately. So I can cover some of that when we come back from our break. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including estate planning and tax preparation, especially for Pennsylvania and New Jersey residents subject to state inheritance tax reporting. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Welcome back. If you have questions, phone number is 610-758-8810. You can talk live on air with me, or if you're not comfortable talking live, just give your question to Cindy, and she'll write it down and bring it in. Don't be shy. Um, speaking of, you know, getting some help preparing tax returns, as I mentioned, AARP uh, does provide services, and they have tax aid locations. Go on their website. It's the easiest way to, uh, well, I'm not saying go on your website. I'm saying you can go on their website. <laughs> you, don't, you can do whatever you want, but um, it is available. And it's a great service to the community. Lots of locations, for example, I think Parkland Community Library has some, you know, hours for that. I believe you can go in with your tax documents. They can help prepare the return there. But then they also offer this um, service where they can coach you or counsel you through processing um the tax return yourself if you want to do it online to prepare it online. What I'm wondering is if that part of the tax aid help actually takes you to the IRS's website because it sounds very familiar to that. And what the IRS offers now and has been for many, many, many years is a free file program. So it's on irs.gov 
irs.gov. Always make sure you're like on a government and safe site. Um, and you can go through, um, you know, steps to help guide you in tax preparation. And it's IRS free file for qualified taxpayers. And it's a guided um, exercise. And you pick a partner, one of the free file partners that the IRS has, you know, vetted as part of this program. I think it was a nonprofit organization that worked with the IRS. And they vetted certain partners and you go through and see which one works for you. I think you can answer questions, but there are certain guidelines, certain ages or certain or you work with certain partners or certain income levels will work with certain partners. But basically, if you make $79,000 or less, that's when you're eligible for the free file program. And that was similar to what it said on AARP's website where they help you do free filing. Um, and, I, and I'm guessing they do a screen sharing in that scenario if you wanted to file your own tax return. So anyway... If your income is over $79,000, you could still access the free um, file, fill the free file fillable forms. So the free file for $79,000 or less, that's kind of like a guided tax preparation. But if you make more than that or have more income than that, then you can just access the fillable forms. So $79,000 or less, some offer estate prep as well. And it's, you, you just have to kind of go through the, the guided um, questions to figure out which one you're going to use. You do need the prior year tax return to access your AGI, your adjusted gross income. I think they do that for security purposes. Um, if you did not, if you did file last year, by the way, um, using one of these free file programs, that partner will contact you. It said it said you'll get an email from the provider of the uh, tax partner that you used in the prior year if you did it through the irs.gov application. So that's all good to know. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention with the free file, typically that was electronic filing and um, contrasting that to handwriting your tax return and mailing it in, uh, that sometimes leads to math errors and you don't get your refund as fast with a paper filing as you would with electronic filing. So you really, you know, the IRS is pushing, um, and tax preparers push for the electronic filing. It is, it really helps um, be in front of issues. So for example, if I electronically file a client's tax return and I get a rejection, uh, it'll tell me something's wrong. Why did I get a rejection? And it'll say this dependent, we don't have any information for them or the name doesn't match. And that's when we find out, oops, you know, oh, you guys got married and the wife didn't change her name. So, you know, John and Mary Smith are John and John Smith and Mary, you know, Magdalene or something. So you, 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 find out things like that, or the birth date's wrong, or a social security number's wrong. If you um, handwrite a return, that might not get caught. So electronic filing helps not just math errors, but it also helps mitigate some of those uh, issues. And we can correct it and re-export the tax returns to um, get it in there, right? So spellings, birth dates, social security numbers. Um at the same time you're thinking about filing your own tax return, you, you should 
look and see if you have to file a tax return for any of your children if you have children. So sometimes kids will have some wages or they might have some investment income and they may or may not have to file a return. Typically what you're looking for for a child is if they're under the thresholds, but also if there's federal tax withholding. So sometimes your child might have made $3,000 and the employer might not have withheld any federal tax. In that circumstance, they wouldn't have had necessarily to file a federal return. They would be under the filing requirements because of the standard deduction and its earned income, not investment income. So you may not have to file a federal return. However, you might have to still file a Pennsylvania return or a state return. For example, Pennsylvania says you have to file a tax return if you have $35 or more of income. So you would file the return showing $3,000 of Pennsylvania income and the employer would have withheld, you know, about 90 bucks of tax and the tax is about 90 bucks and it's zero due, zero refund. The kiddos, it's been covered with withholding and you still have to file. It always, it always surprises me that we haven't thought of a more efficient way to do that if it's fully withheld, but that's how that works. And then also a local return. And sometimes a local return could be even more burdensome because if you don't file a local return, um, they may send you a notice that you owe a $25 penalty for not filing a local return. Just because the employer withheld the local tax uh, doesn't mean you don't have to file a return. Now, when I first moved to Pennsylvania from Michigan, I think for the first couple of years, I don't think I filed a local return. The local taxes were always fully withheld. I didn't even know I had to file a local return because in Michigan, we didn't have any of those, like maybe in one town. Uh, Pennsylvania has them all over the place. So you do want to be aware of that because you just don't want to have to pay a penalty. Usually you can write them a note and say, hey, it was our first year. You know, it was an oversight. Didn't mean it. We, we, the taxes were withheld, held, you know, please forgive us. And maybe they will. But the locals where I see a problem is sometimes your child doesn't tell the employer what locality they might be in and maybe they don't withhold enough local tax. So it could end up being a little bit of a problem and you just hate to waste time and energy on fixing problems for local tax returns. It's, it's very cumbersome. Um, all right. So we talked about that. Businesses. If you're a business, let's do some first aid for businesses. One of the things, as I mentioned in Pennsylvania, we do have a lot of local returns. We also have a lot of municipalities who charge a um, business privilege tax. Not all business, uh, not all municipalities do. So you want to make sure that if you're going to have a business, wherever it's either located or if it's you know where you're living, um, you want to make sure if you are subject to something called the business privilege tax and do you have to get a business license. Uh, the business privilege tax to me typically is not very much. Is there's It's usually quite low, the tax rate on that. But, and it's on gross receipts usually. And we're seeing it on gross services like business, gross business income or rental, gross rental. It's not like on your profit or loss typically for a business privilege tax. So you don't want to miss doing that. You don't want to get a notice you know, from them saying, hey, you know, we see you're doing business and we haven't seen any business privilege tax return for the last three years. So especially if you're going into business, make sure you understand what your requirements are as far as licensing and or paying business privilege tax. Um, what if you didn't get tax documents that you were expecting? So let's talk about a little first aid for that. So you might have thought, 
you were expecting something, you have to say, wait, is it really going to apply this year? Um, for example, I have people saying I'm still waiting on my 1099 interest statement. That's the 1099 INT. I'm still waiting on that. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. What should I do? Should I call the bank? What should I do? Well, I'll say, is, is the interest more than $10? No, no, it's not. Well, they're not going to give you one if it's not more than $10. So you could be waiting for tax documents that don't exist. So number one, make sure that the tax document you think you're waiting for is actually applicable. So bank interest under $10, they don't report that. You can still put it on your tax return if you want. Typically it shows on your bank statement. It'll say $7 of interest. You can put it on your tax return if you want, but that's not going to move the needle on your tax return. And that $7 isn't getting reported to the IRS either. But uh, you know, I usually will put it on the return if a client um, tells me about it. Uh, was there a change in the payor, such as like a pension? Sometimes you'll see where a pension provider name changes. It goes from maybe Fidelity to JP Morgan or some other name, um, and you don't realize it. So, you know, people sometimes don't engage with the information they're reporting on their tax return. They just, you know, take the documents, give it to their tax preparer, and they, they don't realize maybe something changed like that. Um, sometimes you might have two. So if, if a pension provider changed, or a, even a bank or a, you know, brokerage account, if it changed, you might not realize you would be waiting for two 1099s. So I'll give another example. No, no credit given here to any of these custodians. But in 2023, Schwab bought TD Ameritrade. So people who had TD Ameritrade in 2023 for the beginning of the year would have Charles Schwab at the end of the year. They might not realize they're going to have two 1099s for 2023. So you do want to make sure that you're waiting for both if you had a circumstance where a payor changed mid-year. Um, so if you didn't receive one, it could be that they haven't issued it yet. As I mentioned, consolidated 1099s, they have a little bit more time to uh, issue those. It's not necessarily January 31st. So you might have to give it a little bit of time to um, get that 1099. Um, or, uh, or it could be that you signed up for electronic delivery. This is a big one I see now because so many people have set up, set up electronic delivery of, of statements and documents that your 1099 may be online. Now, typically you're going to get an email from the custodian saying your 1099 is available. I know that I do. It says your 1099 is now available. It means I have to go online and retrieve that document and they're not going to mail it to me. So, um, if something's missing, say, stop yourself and say, hey, wait, did I sign up for electronic delivery on that? It might be on my portal. And then go log into your portal and go dig around and look for, you know, tax documents or, or a current link or email or however they deliver communications to you um, to make sure you retrieve it that way. So now we're talking about um, we've talked about maybe discrepancies in the tax return. We've talked about updating for, for uh, information that came after you filed a return. Oh, I will mention one other thing about amending. I said you amend a return after uh, you have within three years. There is a little uh, nuance to this, meaning if you find a correction before April 15th, so let's pretend you file your 2023 tax return in February, and you get a corrected document that's material 
uh, March 31st. Technically, you can restate your tax, tax return, like re-export it. I think with the new information, you override it. It's superseded. It's like a superseded return. I think I just read that there is a box you can check now in, in software that indicates you're superseding it. And that event, you would not have to amend the return. You supersede the return if you can correct it before the due date of the tax return. To me, that's really putting a lot of um, uh, power, uh, a lot of, what do I want to say, uh, confidence in the IRS. Um, I, I, if you can electronically file a superseded return, I feel better about that than like trying to supersede it before the tax return with a before the tax return due date with a paper filing. So in some cases, I'll tell the client, let's just get that return done, accepted, get your refund or pay your amount due, and then we'll amend it after after we know the return's been accepted by the IRS because it's a little tricky. All right, folks, we're at the last break, but there's still plenty of time for questions. If you have any, the phone number is 610-758-8810. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services including portfolio management, tax return preparation, and financial planning for the accumulation years, retirement years, and estate distribution. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. American folk music offers a variegated pattern of performers and styles. I'm Tom Druckenmiller, your host for In the Tradition. Together we'll trace the roots and branches of American folk music from the earliest recordings and performers through today's talented players. In the Tradition, Wednesday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. on WDIY 88.1 FM and WDIY.org. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1 Questions could be submitted through yourfinancialchoices.com or by calling 610-758-8810. Um, a, a couple other quick corrections we can make before I talk about owing taxes, because I do want to talk about owing taxes, but some other corrections that we can make before the tax return due date, other than the, the superseding kind of issue, is if you find when you've prepared your 2023 return, your preparer or yourself, if you're doing it yourself, you realize you couldn't, you weren't allowed to make an IRA contribution because your income's too high, or you weren't allowed to make a Roth IRA contribution because your income was too high. Um, or your employer tells you you put too much into a 401k or you had two employers and you put too much into a 401k. Hopefully your software is going to tell you that you're not allowed to do any of these things. You can correct any of those by April 15th for the year, for the prior year. So if you find out for 2023, you did any of those more than you should have, you can correct them by taking the money out. Now, typically, let's pretend you can't do the deductible IRA. Your income might still allow you to do the Roth IRA. So you would take the money out of the deductible IRA and you could put it into the Roth. But you just don't get a deduction for it. But there's certain things you can still do by April 15th. Get the um, employer, if it's multiple employers, get one of the employers to pull the money out of the 401k. Say, oops, I, I did an excess contribution. I didn't realize, you know, two employers. I maximized both. I need to get this money out. Um, so just be, and I usually make the new employer correct it, not the old employer, because it's easier to work with the new employer if you have excess contributions in a 401k. All things you can correct by April 15th. 
and then you can still file a, a, a properly reported 2023 tax return. Um, watch out for direct deposits and direct debits. Direct deposit, you want to make sure you're putting the right bank information. I like a direct deposit and you are providing that information on the tax return. Trust me, the IRS knows about your bank your bank accounts. So I, I don't think that's a problem, but you can do direct deposit. I'm more leery about direct debits, like asking the IRS to pull the money from your bank account. My issue there is we've had clients who have closed bank accounts and or don't have enough money in the bank account when it's time to pull the money. So I'm really leery about direct debit. I'm very careful with who I say, okay, we can go ahead and do direct debit because I want to make sure they've had the account they have the account, they keep the account, and they have money in the account. All right. So watch out for those little uh, mistakes and uh, avoid them. Uh, change of address. I think it's form 8822. I'm going off the top of my head there. Um, if you have a change of address, you certainly want to let the IRS know. By filing a tax return with the updated address, that also usually kind of covers that. But if you're kind of in between filing, then you do want to update with a change of address. That would be important if you later need like a transcript from the IRS. A transcript um, you can request from the IRS of tax information that's been reported to them for the year. So they might not be able to give you a transcript for 2023 at this moment, but they could give you a transcript, let's say, of 2022 income income. And they, you know, you need to have your change of address updated on that um, to kind of get that information. Let's talk about owing taxes. Um, this again is first aid for tax preparation. And, you know, you, you're wounded when you see you owe taxes sometimes. I mean, if you weren't prepared for it, I like my clients to be prepared. You know, I don't care if you owe, if you know what you're going to owe and you're, you're ready for it. Um, but owing taxes, if you want to avoid owing taxes, like you do your tax return, you see you owe a ton of money and it was because you had some big gains that you don't think you're going to have again. It's a one-off, maybe not to worry about that. But sometimes I see consistently where there might be a couple who are both good earners and they don't withhold enough from their taxes. And I say, hey, you need to update your W-4. The W-4 is what tells the employer how much to withhold based on your income and your filing status and if you have children. So you fill out a W-4 to let the employer know. Well, if you say you're both married filing joint, you both have four kids, well, they're going to give you uh, more deductions when they're calculating how much federal tax to withheld hold on your income. So if you're a dual income family or a multiple employer income family, you really need to review how you're filing your W-4 to avoid owing large amounts of money that are a surprise to you in April and then you don't have the money to pay the taxes. So the W-4 has boxes now that you can check that say that you're a dual income family. And if the income is both consistent and you both filed the W-4 updated, the new updated W-4 showing that you're a dual income family with consistent earnings, then they your employer will, uh, you know, withhold hopefully accordingly. The other thing I sometimes will tell the client is don't check the box for any dependents. Um, that way you're not getting too many credits because sometimes if the income is too high, they may not qualify for the credits, although they did raise the income limit for child tax credits now, like really high, like you can get $2,000 for kids under 17, I think. Um, 
like up to like 400 and some thousand dollars of income married filing joint it's really a lot of income but you know depending on where your income lands your employer may be calculating per the employer tax guide with withholdings they may be withholding too little thinking you have you know a full standard deduction for married filing joint or tax credits for your children so watch out for that Maybe you're not working, you don't have earned income, you might have a pension. But typically what I see with a lot of the pensions is the pensions aren't so big these days anymore. And so when the um, pension administrator goes to withhold taxes and you say you're married filing joint or whatever, there's hardly any tax withholdings coming out of those pensions. And what ends up happening when you add that to your social security income and your dividend income and your capital gains, all of a sudden you're really in a much higher tax bracket than what that pension income thinks you are. And they're not withholding enough or any at all. You can file a W-4P as in Paul, or typically if there is a website or a portal for your pension, you may be able to go directly online to update your uh, withholdings on your pension. And what we usually see there is you just ask the um, pension provider to um, withhold maybe a flat dollar amount. So if you get a monthly pension and you usually owe, you know, $1,200 at the end of the year and you don't want to owe and you don't want to do estimated tax payments, you could fill out the W-4P and say withhold an extra $100 um a month out of my pension and then they'll withhold $1,200 and then you file your tax return and you're pretty even Steven. It could work that way. Um, Social security can also do withholdings. A lot of people don't realize this. There's not a lot of people who have withholdings on their social security. If you're a higher income uh, earner, meaning you worked all your life, you saved a lot of money, you have big 401ks or IRAs, and you're taking required minimum distributions, you might have some big distributions. And when you add that to your social security, it all becomes taxable. And uh, you might not have had withholdings on your IRA, you can certainly adjust your withholdings on your IRA. Um, Or you might have a lot of investment income that doesn't have any withholdings. So you can um, update your Social Security withholdings by filing an SS, uh, oh no, sorry, it's a W-4V. The the Social Security has fixed percents. You can't tell them an extra dollar amount. You can't tell them what percent. You have to check a box. I think it's 7, 10, 12, 22 maybe. I'm going off memory. So you can tell them to withhold uh, Social Security as well. And a a footnote on the IRA distributions, if you're at the point where you are taking IRA distributions, maybe you're not required minimum distribution age, but you just need money for cash flow, you retired early, and you're taking money out of an IRA, you can adjust that. There's no specific amount on an IRA that you have to take. It's not like when you get a bonus when you're working and the IRS says take 20%. The the withholdings on an IRA can be anywhere from zero to 100%. I have clients that do 100% withholding on their IRA to cover the tax on all their other income. So you can, you know, watch that. So when you go to file your tax return, if you owe, that is one way to manage not having to owe. Some people are very comfortable doing quarterly estimates. The reason you have to either have withholding or quarterly estimates is because we're a pay-as-you-go system. And the IRS is expecting you to pay your taxes evenly throughout the year. They do that by doing quarterly payments or the withholdings, which are deemed 
to be made evenly throughout the year. So if I have someone do a chunk of withholding in December out of their IRA, it's deemed to be made evenly throughout the year. So that is something um, that that is a nice little uh, benefit there. You get to have your money work for you during your year during the year and then have withholdings at the end. If you can't pay your tax, as I mentioned last week, you can't pay your tax, still file your return. You do not want a penalty for failure to file. You might get a penalty for failure to pay, but you will not get a failure to uh, a penalty for failure to file. So still file your tax return. And then the IRS does have installment agreements that you can apply for and arrange with them to pay the tax over time. It depends on how much the tax is, what different arrangements are available to uh, a taxpayer. Uh, it is based on the amount and your situation, if you're low income and you can't afford to pay the tax, um, there is an installment agreement I believe you can apply for that has no fees. Then there are other installment agreements that will have a fee. Uh, basically, I think if the if you can arrange the installment agreement to be like direct debit out of your bank account, I think there might be some uh, waiver on the fees. The reason I no, don't know exactly is because I think I've only done this once in my entire career. So for, for someone, not not myself or for, for a client. Um, so you, you want to see what kind of installment agreement might apply to you, but that is on the IRS's website. You can do it as part of the tax preparation. Normally the tax software um, has a form for that. Uh, the form is, oh, I forgot what it is. It's a form begins with a nine, I think. I'd written it down. I don't know where it is. Um, anyway, there is an installment agreement that you can apply for, uh, maybe fees, but um, certainly file the return. You do not want the failure to file penalty. And if you're not sure if you're going to owe or not, you can certainly do an extension. But just as a reminder, an extension is not an extension of time to pay. It is only an extension of time to file file. So if you're not sure, be aware of that. Another little uh, patch, especially for people who are self-employed or, or anybody, actually, if you're working and you are eligible and you might owe taxes, there you have till April 15th to either uh, fund an uh, deductible IRA if you qualify for it. So you might be able to reduce your taxes that way. If you're self-employed, you could fund a self-employed retirement account. And usually you have till the due date or extension due date to, to do something like that. So there are certain ways that you can still help your tax situation even up until April 15th. Another is if you have a high deductible health plan with a, a health savings account. If you didn't fully fund the health savings account through an employer plan, you can certainly um, if as long as you qualify, you can fund the health savings account up through April 15th as well. That can reduce your income or and or, you know, help the tax situation as well. So I hope tonight helped with some of the uh, tax return first aid, especially as it piggybacked on last week's um, show talking about how to file a complete and accurate return and the importance of that and why we do it and um it is tax season. We are getting ready for that. So next week, I thought that I would talk about um, investment income and tax reporting uh, and the nuances of that and why it's really important to understand what kind of income you have on your tax return and the differences 
and the differences between federal reporting and state reporting. So that'll be next week, investment income and tax reporting. And um, I want to thank Cindy for being here. Thank you, listeners, for calling in. Thank you, Peter. And we have coming up next, Tom Druckenmiller with In the Tradition Folk Music. Remember, be proactive, not reactive. Make the best of your financial choices and have a great week. Thank you.